Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Good afternoon, Joanna. Good afternoon. Uh, right, first question. This might be a person who's uh, uh, going to be going through an exam uh, in mm. the very near future. Uh, would appreciate if you could ask Joanna some advice in relation to my 17-year-old daughter. She's extremely emotional, seems very unhappy in herself. No matter what I do, I can't seem to get her to help herself. She's a lovely looking girl, intelligent, but since returning to school after COVID... She's had zero motivation. I'm so glad of the school holidays coming along as all I seem to do is repeat myself about study and putting in some effort. She has no interest in sports and has no hobbies. Spends most of the time on her phone in her room and would sleep all day if I let her. Diet is not good. Suffers from mouth ulcers regularly. I cook every day. Some days she will eat her dinner. Other days she will move the food around her plate but leave most of it. If she could have Chinese and McDonald's seven days a week, she would have no problem eating all those. She's a size six and conscious of her body image and I've been to a dietitian and no issues there. I'm at my wits end trying to engage with her and doing all I can for her but it seems to be falling on deaf ears. She's attending counselling sessions at the moment but I can't see any changes. I don't think she's doing what the counsellor is asking her to do. I feel I'm failing her. I would appreciate any advice you could give me. She has an older brother and has convinced herself that he's the golden child and she is the letdown of the family. The older brother is studious and driven. That's just his personality. We've always treated both the same. If anything, my daughter gets more attention because she seems to be lacking in self-worth. Oh, crikey. Yeah, there's a lot there. Do you know what really struck me as you were reading it? The amount of times the letter writer has said, I... You know, yeah, yeah. no matter what I do, I can't seem to get her. You know, I've been to a dietitian about her, I assume. But, you know, it's very much here's a parent working really, really hard. And you're looking as well from the counselling. And again, I don't know what kind of therapy that she's in um, or how long it's been going on. But you're, it, you, you haven't seen any changes. You don't think she's doing what the counsellor is asking her to do. It also presumes the counsellor is asking her to do anything. anything yeah. And that's not really what therapy is about. Out, you know, first of all, about, I'm really glad that she is in some kind of a therapeutic process and, you know, just give this time and space because psychotherapy is a process. It's not a fix and it's also about a fit. And sometimes you have to go mm. to a, a number of therapists to find, OK, this is a place and a relationship because that's what psychotherapy is. It's a relationship where I can work things out. But just give that some time. And again, I don't know, it might be some CBT work. It might be more time focused. I don't know what that about. And the other thing that jumps out at me is her age. She's 17 and you know, the the parent writing in does mention no motivation since COVID. I'm hearing so much of this in this age group at the moment. Mm. You know, and I don't say that to go, oh sure, it doesn't matter. Not at all. Like, I just think we really need to take this quite seriously that the COVID years stole a lot from this age group and we cannot expect all teenagers to just bounce back. You know, because... That they're people, not balls. They're just not going to bounce back like that. And some of them are needing additional supports. And it sounds like your daughter is struggling. I do think that, you know, I, I kind of share your, your piece here. You know, the, the parents saying, I'm, I'm so glad it's the summer. I found myself going, yeah, me too. I'm really glad it's the hmm. summer as well. But what are you going to do with it? Because if she's going to spend the summer in her room mm-hmm. on her phone, y- if nothing changes, then nothing changes yeah. is the other side. So I wonder about designating this a summer of fun and relaxation, whatever that means to her. Yeah, That's not for this parent to decide fun looks and sounds a certain way, but maybe about, you know, 
getting outdoors with her, just suggesting a walk, but changing the physical environment as you do. You know, you might go up a hill or a mountain or into the forest or to the sea. Different kinds of physical environments can be really effective at resetting a busy, agitated or, you know, just strung out brain. And I I also think do nice sensory things with her. If Again, if she's open to doing this with you, because I don't have a good sense of what she likes to do. But, you know, would she, you know, go for a nail appointment or a massage or a nice lunch with you? Or if she's, you know, more into activity experiences, you're saying she has no hobbies or interests. But what does interest her in it? Like, does she like painting? Does she like drawing? Does she like singing or music? Going to listen as opposed to doing as well. Just being interested in what interests her, even if it's about watching the same TV show together. Even yeah, if that's yeah. it. Well, if she's that's looking at something on her point, phone. So that's that, that exactly would give some what I'm thinking. Like, even if she'd in. watch a reality TV show with you and the two of you could sit together and it's not for you to pick apart, you know, how yeah. silly or ridiculous, but just to enjoy being with her and that be with. And that be with happens within the context of acceptance and empathy because, you know, like I said, you do say the word I quite a lot here. And I'm just easy for me to say, and I know as a worried, concerned, parent, it's hard to do, but stay with her where she is at and using acceptance. You know, this is really difficult for her. She's had a really tough time with COVID Mm. and in coming out of that COVID period into I know COVID's not gone, by the way, um, but, you know, into schools and everything reopening and using empathy. And I think, Sean, it's worth because there's quite a lot of sympathy in this letter, you know, there is. And I, you know, but sympathy is not empathy. You know, sympathy is when we feel about something or mm. feel about somebody. Empathy is feeling with them. Yeah. And we can default into sympathy and it comes from such a good place that we want somebody to get better. We want things yes. to improve. Yeah, yeah. So we rush to kind of do the whole, oh, poor you and poor this. But I wonder, did you do this and did you try that? And if, when you're in that kind of place yourself, even a genuine helpful offer can be experienced as an attack from a person who's not ready to hear it. If you can feel with her and go, you know, I don't know what to say because I'm not here to fix it, but I want you to know you're not alone with how you're feeling and I will sit with you in this uncomfortable feeling until we both find our way through it together. But you will be with me in that process. I think it's not about instructing her how to be happy. It's about creating space for her to express why she's not. Yeah, yeah. Hard. It must be hard. It's though, really because, hard. Because, you know, 17 year olds and just shrugging their shoulders and won't say anything and all that. Could she be depressed? The yeah, sleeping, the I mean, eating, there the... are symptoms here that would. That's why I'm really glad she's yeah. seeing somebody for therapy. Again, it's it's vague how that's described. I would like her to see her GP, um, you know, if, if this was to continue. And if you're saying, gosh, she's been with this therapist or the counsellor or whatever kind of setup it is for months and months and this hasn't gotten better, then, yeah, I'd want her to see a GP, even the ulcer, she's quite run down sounding. So a a blood test, you know, if she's lethargic, flat mood, mouth ulcers, uh, fluctuating appetite, a GP should look her over. Now, I know that you've been to a dietitian. So again, I'm making an assumption you've probably been to the GP, but let's state that explicitly. If not, get a blood test and have a GP just look over in case her iron levels are low, in case there is something quite tangible that could Mm. account for some of this. And if the therapeutic process is not working out or if you're thinking it's time to tweak it or change it, do that. Now, yeah. Now, given that she's still 17, Mm -hmm. does the mother have any right to speak to the therapist? 
Yes, but when we work with 17 year olds, unless there's a particular reason not to tell the 17 year old that conversation is happening. I mean, I work with 17 year olds. I would tell the 17 year old, I'm going to be talking to your parent. Mm. Is that a conversation that you want to be present for? I find a lot of them are like, no, you go, you go do that. Um, But also I will be saying that, you know, these it's not about two separate confidential conversations that the work has to happen within the context of an open trust based relationship. And at 17, unless there's a reason not to discuss it, and that would really be about a safety concern, I would be involving the 17 year old. Okay, and but if the seventeen-year-old then was very resistant to that happening, the counselor more than likely will say mm, she doesn't want that to happen. She doesn't want me to talk to you. But if I had a if I had a real concern about safety and well-being at seventeen, yeah, I would be following up on that. Uh, also, as well, you know, the, the counselors. We don't know specifically what no. what that means no, in terms we don't. of qualification. It's a vague term, it's it's a vague term. term. and th- there's counsellors and counsellors. Yes, and you know it is okay if anyone's thinking you know that their teenager does need to see somebody. It is of course okay and advisable to say not only are you trained, are you an accredited practitioner with an accrediting body? Anyone who is doesn't mind being asked. Mm, yeah, will happily yeah. say yes. This is who I'm accredited with. You can check mm. that out. So making sure that somebody is suitably qualified and trained to work with teenagers as well. Yeah. Also as well, like people have different approaches in therapy. Yes. Some are very quite directional. So others will just say nothing. Some, and then, they, some of it's very reflective. Some of it is, you know, psychodynamic. Some of it's more directive, like you said. Some of it's more time focused work. Um, so it really does depend on what you've said. And sometimes you don't know that. Yeah. You, you're, it, you don't know from the outset, you know, what kind of a fit am I looking for? So if this isn't, and again, it's not, I do want to emphasize, it's not a case of if it's not working for you, the parent. Yeah, it's, it does it work for her. It, I mean, yeah, because if course, your daughter yeah. is going and is happy to go, don't assume she's getting nothing out of that. Talk with her about that. Yeah. And best of luck with that because the summer's, I suppose, is going to be 10 times harder now once you. Uh, it is, but just is try over. to focus on connection over correction. Yeah. Don't be trying to correct everything. Just focus on really cementing that connection so she knows that she has you there to find her way through this. But she's not alone in this. Like Sean, like so many teenagers this age have had such a tough year just getting back into school and the structure of school and society and the world opening up. And, you know, those years were lost years. There is an impact. Yeah. Now, a five-year-old having a bit of a tough time too. My child's preschool has highlighted a pattern of behaviour with my five-year-old. There have been a few occasions when another child has hit him during preschool time. The teacher has chatted to me because when asked, he will not tell them what has happened and was expressing some concern that he's not voicing his feelings and holding on to them for quite some time. Even when an apology has been made by the child who's hit him, he still remains quiet. He has told me about these incidents, but it seems to, uh, to be after some time has elapsed, at least a few days after, I think. He often seems to deal with upset by not speaking for a long period of time, recently a few hours, like if he falls and hurts himself, if he's overtired, and now seemingly in childcare, preschool settings also. The teacher also added that he's a very kind child and he does not want to maybe get someone else in trouble. He's also had a conversation with me recently about a chat he had with his sister, Seven, who told him that friends are not supposed to hurt you or hit you. 
all other childcare providers have never highlighted any issues and has normal development. He's quite a, quite a shy kid and keeps his play things to he's playing to a certain to certain children that he knows very well at preschool. He seems to use uh, remaining quiet as a response. I've always uh, told him always that he can tell his teacher when something like this happens. And while he is listening, he does not verbally agree that he will do this in future. The teacher is worried that he holds on to things for a long time and she thinks he needs to get over it as part of normal life. Uh, I think this is his personality more than anything else. Is there a way of helping him get over these types of normal childhood incidents he will be starting school next September. I mean, I wish there was a way of get, just get over getting it. You said that to a five-year-old, particularly. Would be out of work if that was the case. By the way, so, um, I, you know, this is really interesting because you know, and I, I don't actually. This doesn't come up that often. We often hear about kids showing their feelings by you know behaviour or mm, their acting. Yeah. They might not say it, but they're showing that this child isn't really doing either. Um, you know, and some children tend towards what we'd call more self-holding strategies, and you know, especially when they're dealing with emotions or distressing experiences like are being described here. Now, self-holding is a term that was initially coined by many years ago by um, a child psychoanalyst, Donald Winnicott, and using it to describe what would be a pattern of behaviour in children who choose to try to deal with things themselves, um, rather, especially difficult feelings, try to deal with it on their own and by themselves, rather than reaching out to others to help. Okay, and there's yeah. lots of reasons. Sometimes kids do that and they have always done that. A bit like this parent says, this is his personality. And sometimes we see kids who, you know, need time to build trust that other people can help you. Yes. And until they yeah. have that, they're like, well, why would I tell mm. you? I have no expectation you'd help me. But it can be just some kids are self-holding kids. And, you know, this can serve them well a lot of the time. But where we see it become hard is when they really do need to seek help. Yeah. But they don't quite know how to. Yeah. And it's not even that I'm, you know, trying not to seek help. It may not even occur to me that I would reach out or speak up or state a feeling. I just sit with it because this isn't as simple as saying, oh, it's a child who bottles up feelings. You know, and that's complex enough in itself. But Mm. that's this is different to that, because if it doesn't occur to me to reach out and speak about it, it's not that I'm consciously bottling things up. That's just the way I do things. Yeah. You know, so when this parent says remaining quiet seems to be a response, remaining quiet is a response. It's often a very effective How response. How interesting. But even repeatedly pointing it out to him isn't going to necessarily other, really, change that. He's only five. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's still in preschool. OK, so I wouldn't assume when we say to him, you know, it is OK to tell the teacher and it is OK to speak about your feelings. And I love that his sister, who's only seven herself, is saying, you know, friends are not supposed to hurt you. I think that's just such mm. a thoughtful, help, two thoughtful, sensitive little kids that that's such a helpful little thing for his sister to tell him and to be worried about him. But when he's not verbally agreeing with you, don't assume it's because he's sitting there going, "Mm, interesting, I'm not going to do that. Don't assume he can do it. Don't assume he knows how to do it. Yeah. I would role play that out with him. Mm. I would say, let's play it out. I'll be you, you be the other child or you be you and I'll be the other child. Now, I'm going to be the teacher. What would you say to me? Hey, you be the teacher and I'll be you. Swapping over so that he's like, oh, I get it. It's by doing it that he might get it. And, you know, the self-holding aspect of this, while it can be a default response, not something conscious he's doing, it can also be exhausting. Just think about it. You know, the, uh, it's why so many of us don't do it, because it's easier to lose it. You yeah, know, and of course let it is. And fly yeah. and shout and stomp, even though it's not pleasant. It's easier to release it than hold it. The effort, the hard work 
of holding all mm. of that in can be exhausting and really depleting. So by the time you're going, and here's another list of things you can do, I'm like, oh, stop, I'm done. I yeah, have nothing left to he's give. He's a strong silent type. Th- there is that. And silence can be that response. What I'm going to suggest, though, is there are a couple of things like role playing it out is one thing. But I think there are a couple of practical things that you can do that will help him to understand, you know, that he has this internal emotional world and these feeling parts. And I've spoken before about doing a body map of feelings, you mm. know, tracing around the child's body and colouring in where the feelings live. Each feeling is a different colour. But you can do something similar with coloured sand. And by coloured sand, you know, of course, you can go and buy it. You can also, you know, time consumingly sit there with coloured chalk and colour it. <laughs> Sounds like a better experience there. Yes. Yeah. Or you can get some rice and food dye, colour the rice, bake it for about 10 minutes and it'll hold the colour and that'll do the job just as easily. Okay. I'm just thinking of things, not everyone's yeah. going to have loads of coloured sand lying mm. around at home. And then just get a funnel and a bottle or a jar and Again, assign a colour, a feeling to each colour and have him pour in however much of that feeling he holds. And then he gets to see the feelings stack up in the jar, the bottle. You know, they layer on top of each other and he sees he's made up of lots of feeling parts. Mm. And as he's layering in, you, the parent, get to see, huh, that's a whole lot of worry going in there or that's a whole lot of anger or a whole lot of whatever or that's a whole lot of joy. Actually, my child is fine. You know, it can go either way. Well, that's what's way. Because I know, but what the parent hasn't said is that I know he's upset, but it actually all we know is that he's quiet. He just might be an incredibly yes. still kind of an individual who's able to absorb these things and deal with them in some different way to having to emote yeah. them. I mean, the inference is there when it's the, even if the other child apologises, he still remains quiet. Mm. And that's the bit I'd be curious about. What's happening in the quiet? Is he going, yeah, grand, let's move on. I'm over it. You know, Teflon coated child, it floats off me. Or is it no I'm not going to tell you it's okay because actually I'm internally seething. Yeah. And it doesn't feel okay. Okay, that wouldn't be good. You yes. know, so it's really th- doing something like the colored feelings techniques, they will help you with this. Mm. You know, they will help you get a an it's way of externalizing and showing that internal world, isn't it? You know, all those feelings. I take it a step further with him and when he's pouring in the colors, whatever the feeling is, ask him, tell me a time when you felt that. Look for a relational episode, a time when. At time and not, oh, I feel it all the time. Sure, if you feel it all the time, just tell me one time. You know, really try to drill into Mm. a time so that he's interweaving feelings with narrative to make deeper meaning of them. Every day, ask him what his best bit of the day was and what bit he'd like to change. Even if you start there and getting two little bits of information out of him and bring that on and just play it out. But making sure you're doing the right things, letting him know you can come to me to discuss this. You know, I'm here to listen, but you can't force it. And he may simply be a self-holding child. Uh, yeah, S. in Wickler says, I was just like uh, that quiet child. I've kept that behaviour up. I find it's a fantastic way to deal with difficult people. They find it really intimidating. Um, you could be just freaking out the teacher just in the Just so long as preschool. that person is then going and they have their way of releasing it. So you're mm, not just yeah. sitting with pent up emotion. That's not good for any of us yeah. in the long run. Joanna, thanks yeah. a million as ever. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a break. Uh, after that, uh, there's wine at the bottom of the sea. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 pm on News Talk.